Let's Define Win, a podcast for everyday horse enthusiasts to laugh, commiserate, and learn that life is all about how you define wins. Welcome, everyone. It is the moment you have been waiting for. Let's Define Win is here with our first podcast. You've got Maddie D and Angie C right here waiting for you and you only. This podcast is appropriately titled The Cheapest Entry Fee You'll Ever Pay. That being said, we don't necessarily have planned content for you, so it might change. Yeah, and make sure you are uh, following along on our socials. You're liking whatever you can like. You're subscribing. You're retweeting. You're whether or not you like it, do it anyways. Yeah, and we are long-winded. We will not stop this. We will continue to come out, so you might as well just like it. Hey, Angela. Yeah? Did you win? Well, let's define win. So that's how you pronounce our podcast name. There's a little bit more to it than just that when it comes to what we define as a win. Yeah, I think we saw the need in... You know, maybe this is just our own ego and we need to continually find ways to define win. Uh, But there's only one winner on the judges' cards at the end of the day. So winning is really just what you make it out to be. You know, winning could be making it around the pen without running over the judge. Uh, Maddie has some experience in that field. Or it could be just getting through a pattern without adding your own personal brand of flair to it. Or it could just be getting around the pen without nearly dying. Winning is different to everyone, and we are determined to make this a place where uh, we can just share those stories and experiences and let everyone know that it's okay that you're not first on the cards. Right, and there's a lot of coverage already on like the more glamorous side of things, I would say, when it comes to winning, right? Oh, for sure. There's coverage on you know what saddles to buy, upcoming trends and show clothes for next year, you know, leading sires and stuff like that. But there's not a lot there for the less glamorous side of things, right? Like working to pay for your horse just to go to a show and have the judge tell you, try again next weekend. Exactly. No one says, hey, sign up for this super glamorous nine to five job and then go get your shit rocked at the show this weekend. So we're here to talk about that. Yeah. So whether you're going to the barn, whether you're riding, whether you're cleaning stalls. Uh, You always got time to sit down with Maddie and Angie and listen to our interesting horse and life experiences and whatever happened to happen to us that week. Because, you know, you just never know what's going on in our lives. Right. We really want to be there for anyone from, like, the DIYers, the haul yourselfers, the people that bring themselves to lessons or shows, all the way up to people who do actually use a trainer. We think that there's relatable content, you know, somewhere in there that anyone from there can pull out. We're just average people here with average wallets looking to get around the arena. For sure, and have uh, fun doing it. All right, so that's a lot of touchy-feely for me. I don't know about you, but maybe we want to talk about who we are. Yeah, I uh, I think that's a good a good segue. So, Maddie, you want to kick us off? Yeah, I can. So, like all good grandparents, my grandparents bought me a pony. He was mm-hmm. a cute little black and white Shetland pony. I, being three at the time, 
as any good three-year-old would do, called him Sheepy Boy. (laughs) And that was probably who I rode up through kindergarten. Sheep, sheep. Um, So then we found out our neighbors next door had old show POAs that we could take lessons on. So we rode those up through high school. I dabbled in some 4-H walk trot with the Horses Horse program. Then later on, towards like the end of middle school, my neighbor ended up getting another horse that had been a rescue. I worked a lot with that mare, helped her get her shit together, really acted as a therapist more than anything for her. I ended up getting more into showing where we did like the high school equestrian team, if you will, and more 4-H. We did more 4-H, and so we were able to learn a lot more about showing there. Then this is the point in my life where I transition and I graduated high school and they thought that was a great time to buy a horse for my sister and I to share. <laughs> Perfect. Right. And they bought this fabulous like 12, I think he was like 14 at the time gelding that was just an absolute rock star at the showmanship. So we got him, we rode him. I was, you know, third year for three years or so. Then my sister decided she didn't want to show any longer, so he came to live with me when I was in college. And then he just wasn't moving as great as I wanted to see. So then mm-hmm. I maybe something a little bit more like Western Pleasure focused that you know I could grow with, I guess, if we want to call it that. Yeah. Ended up buying a three-year-old at the time. She is a paint and pinto mare. Now she's five. We do a lot of the Western pleasure. We started showmanship, and we're not bad at that now. It's less so dragging a heifer around the arena, so I would definitely call that a large improvement. (laughs) And we dabble in the horsemanship, and I guess what I mean by dabble is we take part in the class every time that we go to a show, but we don't really excel in it. We really just do it for the practice. We call it like our building or foundational class for anything trail and Western riding, you know, in the years to come. Somehow I've made the connection that even if I'm not great at horsemanship, we'll do fabulous at the other things. So we're just kind of jumping that (laughs) foundational piece and moving straight to the top. What was your first big show you took Dory to? It's almost like I've tried to push it out of my mind, honestly. So thanks for bringing that back up. (laughs) So it was bad or? Well, so it was Paint World. I had never been to a show of that caliber before. I had only ever done a couple of pinno shows locally and we had done pretty well there. And so we go down to Paint World. I'm, you know, expecting great things, right? Just got this brand new horse and I have never been that close to a judge before what (laughs) and it's not because the arena was small okay that is not the reason what go back to how you were so close to the judge were you like reversing were you passing what what happened here she's a really cute jogger when we're slow and sometimes yeah if we're not slow shit can hit the fan as a jog it's it's ironic because we lose it at the walk and the jog, and anything at the lope is pretty solid, usually. Okay. So, if, if we're going fast on the walk, we know there's going to be issues, and so I was on the jog, and we were already going a little fast. They probably, they had asked for the extended jog already, 
and we couldn't come back down from the extended jog. So we were way on the oh, inside. No. It was a big class. We're just going. And the lady was out. There's so many judges at that show and scribes. <laughs> it's almost like it wasn't my fault. Yeah, it's really their right, fault. Right. You know, they had too many It said novice. They shouldn't have been in the arena. <laughs> <laughs> they should have been in the yeah, stands. So miracles do happen, and we ended up making finals. I think it was because there were like twenty-five horses or something like that in the class, and two or three or whatever got asked to leave because they were lame. So we made finals, <laughs> and it it doesn't okay. end there. So eventually we get to the lineup where you have to back and everything, right? And this poor mm-hmm. judge that we almost ran over, we banana our back into her. Oh God. Uh, Wait, and were you in a bridal or were you in a bozel? Like, what? Let's just paint this picture yeah, for me. Yeah, so we were three and we were in a bridal. Bold? Yeah, okay. Yeah. And we, because we had shown a lot in the bridal before that. So we were like, it will be fine. You know, that being said, okay, yeah. a, we had another class later on that we were like, well, we learned. Let's go to a bozel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, and that was my first show, right? Of that level so it was kind of scary yeah that the first one's just a toss yeah and i'm pretty sure like my nervousness and her being so young were not great yeah they just didn't help right we just weren't set up for success it was a miracle we made it out alive i'd say it's a miracle that judge made it out alive yeah unfortunately that is true you're probably the person you're the person she tells stories about now we should probably you know look for her podcast (laughs) yeah she probably needs therapy but yeah, huh. so as if it okay. didn't end there, we're on the lineup, and we get called out as a finalist because we we did make finals. So I mm-hmm. like gently asked Dory to move forward, and I still remember <laughs> this because I'm still so traumatized by this. Oh God! She like lashes out with her back right foot, and it is on the big screen, and everyone is watching, and it was so embarrassing. And we go get our medal, and I can't <laughs> figure out what way to leave because I'm the first one. And so I'm, like, trying oh, no. to figure out which exit, and eventually I just take one. Making the finals is a big deal, though. So I I am proud of you. I'm sure they were Thanks. proud of you. I, I need that now that yeah. we're rehashing this. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Gotta build you up. So that was my first big show with Dory. Okay, yeah. I would I, love I to like say that. it's only gotten better, but I don't want to lie, so... <laughs> It's, it has gotten better, mm-hmm. but it's also gotten worse. We're pretty dynamic. We're a dynamic duo. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, I, I like it. Yours. How'd you, how did you get into this situation? Yeah, so my horse story started out in the same piece. Um, I actually grew up in Chicago for the first 10 years of my life, Um but my mom grew up on a farm in Iowa, so she had us out on horses pretty much immediately. So we rode when we were out in Chicago and just rode around on these POA ponies, and they are pretty cool. Uh, mine was named Trotter, so that was fun. But I, he wasn't mine. But anyway, the day they told us we were moving to Iowa, we were quite shocked and just really... At, it was a rough rough day for us and you know to console us they said well don't worry we'll get you a pony so there's a shetland pony here affectionately named blackie so 
we had him. It wasn't too much longer before my parents bought us uh, this old quarter horse broodmare. She'd had like 15 babies and had all these Western pleasure points. It was just a really, really cool mare. So we learned to ride on her and learned to ride on the pony. Um, kind of progressed and we did 4-H and open shows. I got a super cool rodeo mare when I was, I don't know, 13 probably. So that was kind of the path that I took. We did a lot of the high school rodeo. Uh, we did a lot of the ranch rodeo, a lot of just the ranch shows. And I was pretty much set on doing that until about probably my sophomore year. Towards the end of the season, I had a pretty significant wreck. And I was fine to finish out the season, but kind of as my junior season came along, I was just a little bit more apprehensive and a little bit more like, oh, God, am I cut out to do this? Um, and then by the time my senior season rolled around, I was just straight up terrified. I did not want to go in the pen, did not want to rodeo. And I, I think my parents knew. I didn't share it with them, but I think they just knew. So, you know, do you want to move more into the Western pleasure thing? Do you want to show? What, what kind of do you want to do? And again, I'm terrified at this point. So I was like, sure, yeah, great. Let's get a pleasure horse, whatever. So we called the vet and said, hey, uh, we're, we're going to we're gonna pivot and we're gonna do like we're gonna do horse shows now we're gonna get a, a pleasure horse and that's what we're gonna do gave her absolutely no budget to find a horse you know we we're like whatever so she calls the next day and says hey found this cool horse uh he's he's really green broke he's got about 30 days on him but he's a really good leg so let's go look at him and so we go out there we see toby we're like yep cool sounds great we'll buy him um bought him at this point, I am a freshman in college. It was a journey, but now he's 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 pretty chill. And what is so it's all Toby? worked out? Yeah, so he is a Tobiano paint gelding. He is twelve now. He was four when I got him, but just a really really cool. He's turned into a really really cool horse. He is not the most talented, and he's not the prettiest legged anymore. But you know what? He uh. He tries, and you know, you could you could point him towards a brick wall and send him through, and he'd be like, "Okay, sounds good." Yeah, it's cool. It's it's cool to see him grow up. Definitely. So, what was your first big show with Toby? Can you can you top my experience? Please, please tell me you can. <laughs> <laughs> well, so like I said, I got Toby, and. <laughs> October, I think. And he had about 30, may maybe 45 days on him. But again, he was really, really quiet. Um, I moved him down to college with me. He was kind of riding around on him. And I called my mom and I said, hey, I saw this show called the Color Breed Congress. I want to go. Do you want to go with me? And she goes, sure. Yeah, great. So I send off entries, whatever. Three weeks later, we're in we're in the truck driving. It wasn't really set up for success, uh, so we're in the truck going down there, and she goes, "So, so what state are we going to? Where are we going to again?" And I was like, "Oh, um, it it appears to be we're going to Oklahoma," and realized like, "Holy shit, Oklahoma is the uh, state <laughs> above Texas," and. It was really bad because we were driving down on a Thursday. I was supposed to show him on Friday, 
and we were just gonna like show his classes and come home um but anyway we get there and just like here we are with this horse you know don't know it's front end <laughs> from its back end at this point and the next morning we go to show the pleasure you know the things could have went better for us there was some pretty significant points of the ride where we weren't necessarily by the rail, but we weren't by the judges Pop. either. So that Pop. that was a positive going for us. And he was really not not even. So his his to the left was really cute and to the right you just had to hope you got, you know, blocked by some other horse and they just checked you to make sure you had your lead and that was it. Um miracles happened. We ended up I think third um uh, in the pleasure. So that was that was really cool. Um, but then then it came time for horsemanship. And um, again, really green broke four-year-old. I have no idea what I'm doing. I just signed up for horsemanship because I I thought patterns were fun. And this was the day that I learned. You really wanted to make the most fun. of your time in Tulsa. Yeah, and you know when the time that I looked at the the calendar, I was like, oh yeah, he <laughs> He, he's broke. I can show him in horsemanship. Yeah, funny. Funny. Yeah, there was a lead change in this horsemanship. There was an extended circle. There was a square corner. I mean, nothing. People are listening like, oh, that's that's normal. But yeah, I was not, not prepared for that. So I literally looked at the pattern as I'm walking in the pen. And I'm like, hmm, this is an experience. Got to the, got to the cone, blacked out could not tell you what happened. I'd have to watch the video again. Um, but, you know, I, I could tell you steering could have been better. I think it was Did a good experience. Did you run over anything else? We got dangerously close to the cone. Um, I, I do remember, like, stopping and pivoting and just, like, holding my breath, because I was like, oh, my God, his tail hit the cone. And I remember just glancing back and seeing, like, is it still upright? Well, if the tail hits it, are <laughs> we still DQ'd? Are you DQ'd if you hit a cone? It was, like I said, it was our first experience. We learned a lot that day. I'm sure you're all wondering how we became hashtag besties. Uh, I really don't know how it all happened. I don't know. Do you know so, how we met? I remember or how... I was riding Dory around the arena at the barn. And then I thought okay. you showed up to ride another horse. And I remember seeing who I thought was you there. I didn't, I didn't recognize your face. But I'm not the most chatty, most bubbly person. Like, if you ever see me around, I'm probably not going to just bob up to anyone unannounced to start talking to them. So it was just mm -hmm. really out of my comfort zone. Okay. <laughs> and honestly, like, funny part on that is, like, when I first started showing the, like, paint and pinno down there in Iowa, I had to actually take steps to, like, try to make friends at these shows. Like, I would try to figure out who the low-hanging fruit would be and try to make one friend at each show. <laughs> and not even, like, to the point of, like, get their Snapchat or, like, contact information, but just, like, be able to go casually talk to them and be like, oh, hey, how is your horse doing at the next show, you know? Just so it wouldn't be awkward for me. So that was, yeah. like, the first year of my life before we became friends. Yeah, so that was... <laughs> 
what I think our first interaction was. And then I think it was October. And then out of nowhere, you come flying, like you, like what? You definitely didn't walk up to me. You jogged or loped up to me, got off Toby, flew at me, handed me the reins, and then said, will you hold my horse or something? I didn't even catch a horse. I didn't even catch a horse's name. And you just ran off. Like you didn't even take time to like fold your pants up or something like that. And you just left. And so I'm standing there holding this horse, like hoping you're going to come back. My class is relatively soon. And I had no idea who you were. I didn't even know your age. Like I didn't even get a chance to like look at your face. I couldn't even tell what hair color you had. And so then eventually you come back and I give you your horse back. And that was kind of like the end of that interaction. But that was like, the first two instances I remember you. Well, I don't remember meeting you at Andy's barn. <laughs> I, but maybe I did. I don't know. Um, but the first time I remember seeing you was at a, it was at a Pinot show. We were at Kirkwood. And I remember I had won the amateur pleasure at the, the, previous two shows so I was really jacked for this show because I was like I'm gonna go in there I'm gonna clean up like Toby is feeling really good today and you go in and you win the novice pleasure and I'm standing there next to Andy and I was like God, who is that girl and he's like oh I brought her and I was like oh she's got a pretty horse so okay and I was trying to like suss out like were you gonna go into the amateur too you ended up going into the amateur pleasure won it on, like, three of the four cards. I was like, damn it. I was so irritated. But whatever. Happy for you. Really glad well, and it was right after you had I a really nice horse. a judge, basically, down at Paint World. Yeah, so you it really, you really <laughs> needed it. So I am... I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you, you had that win. Um, and then I do remember the next show when I came flying over and I said, Maddie, will you hold my horse? Well, that's that's a lie. I wasn't sure if your name was Maddie or Maggie. So I'm pretty sure I, like, mumbled when I said your name because I, I didn't want to call you the wrong name. But then I was like, God, is, is that her name? I don't know. So that's why I ran off so quickly because I was like, God, nothing's more awkward than calling someone the wrong <laughs> name and then they call you out. Then I remember Pinot World last year. I remember sitting just in our little chair area and seeing someone, some homeless looking person is what I remember it to be. <laughs> and you walk by, walk down the alley, then turn around, come back. And you say like, are these our stalls? And I had no idea, like I didn't know who you were. And I was like, why would this random person be asking me who they're if these are our stalls. And I remember turning around and seeing your face. And I was like, oh, that's the girl that rides with Andy. So I put two and two together. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, I'm like texting Andy. And I'm like, is is that Maddie girl coming down? Like, I think she's here. What, 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 what's going on? Oh, and then I took the you to find your car on the golf, golf cart. The most awkward golf cart ride of my life. The most awkward well, golf think- cart ride. I was going to say, I think the we were... worst part was we didn't know where I had parked. Okay, I didn't know where I parked my car. Oh, yeah. So we were, like, scouring the grounds looking for your car in the slowest golf cart. And we were both, like, visibly nervous, I felt like. And we, like, didn't know what to say to each other. Yeah. And then 
I think we actually became friends because you texted me. Like, you got my number somehow. And you texted me a picture of crew, I think. And it was like, he had a spot on him or something. And it was like, oh, Probably. you missed Seems the spot like something or something. I would do. I think, because I, I, yeah, like, I think I had to, wa- I washed him that morning and clearly I did a shit job. And boom. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have any great stories of what's happened yeah, lately. It's been but pretty mundane lately, which I am thankful for. So we my parents. We've talked say. a lot about huh. us, our horses, <laughs> but there's kind of another part that we haven't really touched on, I'd say, and that'd be our parents. And you know, when we're lucky enough to have them there, yeah. we've got some great quotable things. And just as a disclaimer, we love our parents, but they say some weird shit. Love them. All right, so I'll I'll kick her off. Oh, yeah. One of the last shows I went to, I did the novice horsemanship, and then I followed it up with the amateur horsemanship. And this was the last two classes of the entire show. And it was a decent, decent (laughs) drive home. So I was, like, ready to go home, right? Everything was loaded up in the truck and the trailer. It was basically idling outside of the arena so I could just take everything off and leave. (laughs) And I hauled myself and... My mom was going to ride back with me. And so I go do the novice and we get the pattern right, but we never really ace it there. So whatever. I leave, walk out, turn around to go do the amateur. I like briefly looked at it because they were pretty similar. So I didn't want to like memorize both at the same time because I knew that would screw me up. This philosophy didn't end up working out. But so I go briefly look at the amateur pattern. I go in. I get kind of confused as I'm watching people. I go do my pattern. I get to the point where I'm doing a lope down the line, and then I have to do the switch so I can do a circle in the opposite direction. And I have never felt a lope this weird in my life. I, like, look down. (laughs) Because at this point, I was like, this is not a lope. I'm cutting all losses. So I look down. And I, was it a lope? Was it a trot? I, I couldn't see an identifiable, and I, I could not see an identifiable, I, and I, whatever. I couldn't tell what lead I was on, which I can usually do, <laughs> but it was not evident. Okay. And so we finish out that circle, we end up stopping, we pivot the wrong way, and then I proceed to jog out through the pattern of the next person. So the entire arena and all the judges have to watch me exit the arena after I screwed up this pattern. And as I'm leaving, I realize I pivoted the wrong way and forgot to back and completely messed up the pattern, which is right on par for me typically. So I'm back at the stall. I'm untacking. I'm right ready to go, getting everything loaded up. It's probably like two or three trips out to the trailer and I'm ready to go. My mom comes over and she is grabbing stuff to take out to the truck because she realizes that there's no point waiting for my placings. My dad rounds the corner and sits down in like the one lawn chair that we have left. And we're looking at him. We're like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm waiting to hear the placings. And I'm like, why? And he's like, I want to hear how you did. And I go, they only announced the top 10 and I think there's like 15 in the class. And he's like, okay, that's fine. It'll just be a little longer. And I was like, 
I um, don't know how to tell oh, you this. Oh, no. <laughs> and my mom goes, Steve, she screwed the pattern up. She forgot, like, three parts of it and couldn't get her lead or whatever. And my dad looks at me and he goes, are you okay? Like, do you need water? Are you hydrated? Have you not been eating? <laughs> are you, like, traumatized for some reason? And I just go, no, sorry. It just happened. Oh, my God. I really don't have a good reason for you because it tends to happen. And if I had a good reason, it would be fixed by now. And that is the type of shit my parents say. Oh, God. My mother humbles me and my father humbles oh my me God. by thinking that he's not humbling me. So. Oh, God. I love Steve. I love Carla. They're... What about you, Mom? I love Michelle, too. But. Yeah, so I'm trying to think of a – oh, yeah. So I went to Paint Congress this year for the first time, and it was a very spur-of-the-moment trip. I literally decided, like, three days before it was happening that I was going. So load up. Uh, I think my dad went – or, yeah, my dad went with me, and he's not a horse show guy. He's not a horse guy, but he went with, so I was really appreciative. Um kind of the same thing i went in for the novice horseman or the novice showmanship and just kind of went in went through the pattern i was a little nervous it just it just went okay place like middle of the road um and i was like okay like i'm gonna go in for the amateur horsemanship like i got this and i was like you know there's higher caliber horses in the pen you know i am very fresh into showing showmanship you know toby's in his first year of it i'm kind of in my first year of it so we're just gonna go for it we're just gonna go hard we're just gonna go hard in the paint and so we did so we went really hard in the paint we're having a really good pattern and we get to this setup and i just i don't i just fumbled it and my mom texted me because she was watching it on the live stream and goes wow Toby was having a really great pattern until you messed up his setup. I think if you would have just let him do it himself, he would have been perfect. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, she's a therapist. So, you know, she's a, that was not very supportive for a therapist. But yeah, I mean, I want to be better. I want to go to trainers. I want to do all these sorts of things. And mom always used to just watch and she always says that she said you know i just watch you in the class so i have no idea what you know what everyone else is doing um and she used to be like wow that was great you know you did a really good job um but since i've told her like mom like i want to grow i want to be better she's kind of turned into like well pattern would have been great if you know you wouldn't have messed up your pivot or you know if you just get out of his way he's pretty cute sometimes and i'm like oh god sometimes it's a brutal ride home yeah, horses are uh, really cool about when they choose to humble They really us. are, and who they choose to humble. I have a good story about that. So I decided in July of this year that I was going to show him in the trail at the July Pinot Show, which was like, you know, four days away at this point. So I go, oh, I, be I better start loping him over poles. I better see if he'll do it. I put out four poles, and he loped over all four of them, and I was like, great, this will be cool. So I go to show him in the novice trail. And I was really excited because he warmed up really good. And he was really, he was just good. He was in a good frame of mind. Um, you know, there was only two lope poles. So I was like, all right, I got this. Like, I can show this. So I get over the bridge. He was really good. You know, did the cute, like, look down at it thing. And I was really proud. Uh, didn't murder the walkovers for the first time ever. 
you know, was trotted through, you know, moved his body, whatever. Um, then I asked him to lope off, and he was really strong. He was really deep behind. He was picking his shoulders up. I was so pumped. I was like, God, like, I hope someone's videoing this, because we are about to kill these poles. Like, we are about to lope these poles like no one's ever seen. I was so proud. Like, I wasn't even looking at the poles. I was just sending them. Well, round the corner, come up to the poles. Dude jumps four feet away and completely misses the poles. We did not. We loped over air. And I was like, oh, my God. We we just <laughs> missed the poles. Like, this is the only part of the pattern we practiced. Like, what? And then I'm thinking, well, maybe the judges didn't notice we missed the maybe poles. Maybe it was just their view, their maybe angle. We, maybe they didn't notice. Ended up looking at the scorecards later on in the weekend and one of the judges wrote, <laughs> loping over poles is not optional. I was like, hmm, so they saw. Great. So that, that was the most, one of the biggest ones. It wasn't written in there that it wasn't not optional. Exactly. So, I don't know, you got any good mm. humbling stories? Yes, I do. I do, in fact. And it... It really goes back to the horsemanship again. Okay. I cannot okay. escape it. I've always known I'm not good at horsemanship. I don't particularly sit that pretty. I go do okay. the novice horsemanship down at Pinna World last year. Dory and I have practiced it a little bit. Again, we just treated it like a foundation class for when we decide we want to you know, get really good at trail and we can just basically skip the horsemanship because that makes sense to me. Dory and I do not pivot. Like, what is the solution for this? We know there was a pivot. There is always a pivot in horsemanship. Well, I guess we're just going to have to show in a snaffle. So I go out there and show this horse in a snaffle. We turn the pivot into a rollback, pretty much. And then we start to cross the arena, and we're going away from the gate. And I'd like to think my horse isn't gate sour, all right? And that it was just the fact that it was a large <laughs> arena and she was by herself for the first time ever in there. And she wasn't really used to that. And so she starts to gravitate towards the gate. And I fight in this for my whole life. And eventually <laughs> we, like, skirt right. around the cone just barely. Pretty sure at some point we rode the rail like it was a pleasure class because that was where we felt we were safe. So I go back to the stalls, and this, I think, was after I had shown the Western Pleasure, which we did decently well in. And so I get a text from my aunt, of all people. She goes, hey, I watched your horsemanship class. That was the class you decided to watch. Like, of all classes, that was the class you decided to watch. <laughs> she goes, yeah, so do you guys practice that often? Do you guys not do patterns a lot, or what? And I go, you know, she's just not a big pattern horse. She's young. I don't like it. She doesn't like it. We really just do it to make it worth our time down there. It's not necessarily the easiest to tune in right before a pattern class, right? Just to watch someone that you know and tune out. You know, that's like, I don't know, five minutes maybe throughout like a whole entire day. And you got to know what their shirt and everything looks like. It would have been so much easier so much easier for her to turn in, for her to tune in, and watch the pleasure class. And, like, you pr you pretty much have to wait for, like, oh, frick, a day and a half until they right, get to exactly. the cone. And, you know, she and at found, that point, what's it worth? She was able to tune in right before then, so. And like, I, uh, I actually think it's 
it's scheduled to be down for maintenance during the novice horsemanship. Uh, exactly. <laughs> really weird, but that's just when they decided to exactly. maintain the system. Yeah, so that was the time I got home. Hmm. I mean, there's multiple, but that's really the one that's coming to mind right now. So that's all we have for this week, folks. Uh, hope you've stayed with us this whole time because I've enjoyed talking. I think Maddie's enjoyed talking. But yeah, next week we're probably going to talk about kind of the pressure that comes with being a quote-unquote DIYer um, and some of kind of the isolating feelings that come with that. Uh, and then we're going to, you know, keep keep it light on the feelings because that's not really our forte. And I don't know, maybe we'll find some pictures that we uh, wish didn't happen. Hit us up in the DMs if you got any questions or topic ideas or just... Words of encouragement. We uh, clearly are lacking so for our parents. Forget it. <laughs>